Thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. While Americans entertain themselves with the ridiculousness of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the unfeigned hatred of Ilan Omar toward America and Israel, while American leaders continue to conspire for ways to make the murder of live-born babies legal, so the euthanasia murder of adults and the coming mass murder of special classes of people, such as Christians and Jews, can be justified, the U.S. and Russia are approaching a nuclear cliff. Now, I know the news I report every week is negative. You know, that old axiom is that the media's news is usually bad anyway. All the more because at the end of days, the enemy will try to wear out the patience of the saints, according to Daniel 7.25. My job is to sit on the wall and warn you When I see a danger coming, that's according to Ezekiel 33. If you're not listening, there is nothing I can do. The best that I can think of myself is that I've done my job, so I will continue to do my job, even as the warning blasts come more frequently and most people shut their ears. What does it mean to listen to Shema? It means to do something. It means to prepare for the war that is coming. To remove yourself from the danger. To that end comes this week's report. The media reported this week that Russia has suspended participation in the nuclear arms treaty with the U.S., Putin's decree means Russia is suspending its obligations under the 1987 Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty and will continue to do so until the U.S. ends its violations of the treaty or until it terminates. The U.S. has a has accused Russia of... De, de, uh, of developing and deploying a cruise missile that violates provisions of that treaty, and the U.S. gave notice to Russia setting the stage for it to terminate in six months unless Moscow returns to compliance. Well, Russia has denied any breaches and has accused the U.S. of violating the pact. Russia has charged that the U.S. has breached the pact by deploying missile defense facilities in Eastern Europe that could fire cruise missiles um, instead of interceptors, a claim that is rejected by Washington. The collapse of the INF Treaty has stoked fears of a replay of the Cold War era Um, That happened during the uh, 1980s and then back into the Kennedy administration. Well, Putin has warned the U.S. against deploying any new missiles in Europe. And they have repeatedly said that Russia will retaliate 
by fielding new fast weapons that will take just as little time to reach their targets. So, what did President Trump do to show good faith that he is not provoking Russia the way Israel is provoking Iran? Well, he deployed the U.S. THAAD missile system to Israel this week. So let's see what RT has to say about this. It says in this headline, U.S. deploys THAAD missile defense systems to Israel for very first time. As I said, that happened this week, and I'm going to have a lot to say about that. I'm going to have a lot of comments. Here is the, the missile system being uh, offloaded from the aircraft carrier. I want to tell you that there's been a lot of um, interesting military uh, sounds, let me put it that way, helicopters and airplanes flying over Aqaba, Jordan, and over southern Israel this week. And I can only assume that this is some of what we're hearing going on. The U.S. military has delivered the THAAD missile defense system to Israel for the very first time, this article says. The deployment comes as a part of a joint exercise and is aimed to show the U.S.'s continued commitment to Israel's regional security. Well, securing Israel will always be the excuse for GOG, the United States of America, to operate a military in Israel. GOG is after the spoil. Russia and Iran are as well. So I'm going to go to Ezekiel 38, 7. My little notes there. It says, be prepared. Yes, prepare for yourself, you and all your assembly that are assembled to you, and be a guard to them. And I've explained to that, or about that in the past, that what that is, that's Gog being a guard to Israel, not to these people that are coming in uh, against uh, Israel, but Gar, Gog who is guarding Israel. So back to the story. What is the spoil that is talked about in in uh, Ezekiel 12? Oh, I was going to go to Ezekiel 12. E- Ezekiel 12 says, in order to take a spoil, that's what they're coming in for. They're coming in to steal the prize, to turn their hand on the inhabited waste places and on the people gathered out of the nations. You know, that that's Israel, who have gotten cattle and goods and who dwell in the midst of the land. Okay, so what is the spoil? And by the way, it's no coincidence that the word oil is 60% of the word spoil. For Russia and Iran, of course, the spoil is Israel's gas. You know, those Tamar and Leviathan offshore gas fields and the oil recently discovered in the Golan Heights. Jerusalem, though, is also a spoil. The Edomite Persians, which is Russia and Iran, want to control Jerusalem because it is Jacob's territory. But 
they really don't want to rule from Jerusalem. One of the ancient capitals of Persia was Babylon. It is likely, but not certain, that Iran would rule the world from somewhere in the vicinity of that ancient city of Babylon. But the spoil for the U is has something uh, for the U.S. as well. The U.S. is on the hook to provide fossil fuels to Europe to keep uh, the Europeans close to the U.S. Otherwise, Europe's other option would be to develop economic ties to Russia. And in fact, Russia and Germany are currently working on the details of gas and oil sales. According to this Washington Post article, it says American ire over German reliance on Russian natural gas imports shows no signs of letting up. And over the weekend, Richard Grinnell, the U.S. ambassador in Berlin, Berlin rather, issued a warning to German companies involved in a controversial new pipeline to Russia. Writing to several corporations over the weekend, he said, we emphasize that companies involved in Russian energy exports are taking part in something that could prompt a significant risk of sanctions, according to the German weekly Bild am Sonntag and other German news outlets. In a statement, Embassy spokesman Joseph Giordano Schultz said on Monday, the U.S. government has been clear that we agree with the European Parliament, the U.S. House, and nearly 20 European countries in opposition to the Russian Nord Stream 2 project. He added that companies are free to work on Nord Stream 2, and we are free to make clear that working on it could disqualify them from working on U.S. projects. The Nord Stream 2 project could double the amount of natural gas exports to Germany. For the European Union, natural gas, of course, is critical. Um, it generates more than one-fourth of the European Union electricity needs, which are only growing. A third of Europe, uh, the European Union's gas comes from Russia. Moscow is hoping to boost its market share further to ensure that it does. The Russian natural gas company Gazprom is building two new pipelines into Europe. One of them is called the Turkish Stream and will serve southern European markets via Turkey and Greece. But the far more controversial project is the Nord Stream 2, which ends in northern Germany and is slated to supply major western European nations, among others. Okay, so here is the the uh, a look at the map and it tells us down here that in 2016 Russia supplied at least 247 billion cubic meters of gas to Europe they really want to increase this by a lot but what are we really talking about here what's going on here well here's what we're talking about it's the connection between the Ukraine and Syria what is that? Fossil fuels. There are other reasons as well, such as simply world dominance. 
that, you know, Trump and Putin are going head to head. And one that I'm going to repeat to you again. And it'll be something I've told you before, but stay tuned to find out what that is. Britain, Norway, and the Netherlands are Western and Northern Europeans' biggest gas producers, primarily relying on natural gas fields in the North Sea. But over the next few decades, Europe's own resources, which account for more than a third of its supplies in 2016, are expected to gradually disappear. Did you see that? I had to fix that spelling. (laughs) So, does the U.S. not want Germany and Russia getting into fuel agreements? Yes, they don't want Germany and Russia getting any into any fuel agreements. But what we're really talking about here is the continuation of Obama's economic war against Russia in Ukraine. That's what this pipeline problem is about. The Russians want to supply to Europe what the Europeans are afraid they're running out of, and they're afraid that the United States cannot supply their needs because the the United States has lost its supremacy in the Middle East, in the Syrian distribution hub, and in the Iraqi oil and gas fields. That's what this is about. So Russia is trying to drive a wedge between uh, between the United States and Europe. Let me correct that. There you go. I have said for many years that the war between the U.S. and Russia has two fronts, the Middle East and Ukraine. The Middle East is of utmost importance, but the U.S. must keep its European allies from engaging with Russia in purchasing oil and gas and defying U.S. sanctions against Russia. This is part of the U.S.'s war against Russia. You know, he who controls the fossil fuels controls the earth. That is what precipitated Obama's creation of the Arab Spring and is the reason the war in Syria continues now. For the moment, Jerusalem is an excuse and a way to provoke the West's enemies. In other words, that's, you know, what Russia and Iran is using Jerusalem for. But There is another reason that Israel is a spoil for Gog. Because Gog is an errant Israelite, one who grievously disobeyed Yahweh and who must be punished. You can see that in my teaching called Gog Magog, the Birthright Wars 1 and 2. Just go click on that link. Yahweh will punish both houses the house of Judah, the Jews, and the house of Israel, the West, at the same time, because judgment, the great tribulation, begins in the house of the Lord. And their punishment will be an atonement. In fact, the situation between the United States and Russia, Israel and Iran, is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. Here's Isaiah 27, 9, and I'm going to have a lot to say about this chapter. But 
Jacob's sin is purged because of the way that Yahweh um, is going to punish them. And we're going to find out that there's two punishments that happen at the same time. One I'm going to talk about now and one I'm going to talk about at the end of this report that happens to be in, in you know, Isaiah 28. Okay, so let's go back to Isaiah 20 or 27, 9. It says, by this shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged. Now, Jacob is, as you know, the whole house of Israel. This uh, this chapter in Isaiah has to do with the land of Israel. I'm going to explain that, uh, the song that, the Lord sings about the land of Israel, um, but it purges Jacob's sins. This is all the fruit to take away his sin. This coming war between Israel and Iran and between the U.S. and Russia, which will begin for both countries, the U.S. and Israel. It will begin on Israel's soil. It says when he makes all the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten in pieces, you know, when that altar gets shut down, and the Asherahs and sun pillars shall not stand up. That's all that Masonic stuff that just is every place in Israel. And by the way, this commentary is not in my notes. I think the Lord is uh, giving me some new stuff as I'm doing this. But let's let's go through Isaiah 27 and start at verse 1. In that day, that is the Lord's day, the millennium. Remember that the great tribulation happens in the beginning of this period called the Lord's day, not before it. That's because all days begin in darkness, even the Lord's day. It says, in that day, Yahweh, with his great and fierce and strong sword, shall punish the sea monster, the darting serpent, the sea monster, that twisting serpent. What is that? It's the beast of Revelation. Even though Isaiah did not know about this description in the book of Revelation that came way after Isaiah had died, of course, thousands of years. And he will monitor or he will kill the monster, rather, in the sea. Yahweh starts this chapter with a reassurance of what will come in the end after He tells you what's going to happen. He's going to give you an explanation. But first he wants you to know and be reassured that he shall kill this monster in the sea. This uh, final beast empire that's getting ready to rise. Verse 2. In that day, that's again the Lord's day, the millennium. Sing to her a delightful vineyard. Who is the her? The delightful vineyard. Well, the her is the land of Judah. Isaiah 26, 1. It's in that day this song shall be sung in the land of Judah. See, Isaiah 27 is really a continuation of Isaiah 26. The land of Judah today is the modern political UN created state of Israel. 
the rest of the verse explains the song. Uh, we have a strong city. He sets up salvation as our walls and banks. Isaiah 26.2 says, Open the gates and the righteous nation shall enter in, keeping faithfulness. That righteous nation is the modern UN political created state of Israel a righteous nation? No, not yet. But that land, that Modern political UN created state of Israel had to be created first. So Jacob, the righteous nation of all 12 tribes, shall enter in keeping faithfulness. Verse 3, 27-3. I, Yahweh, keep it. What does Yahweh keep? He keeps the land of Judah, the modern political, UN-created state of Israel. Now, for all that I have said that's critical of the Israelis lately, you do know that I love my Jewish brethren. And it breaks my heart to report what's going to happen not only to them, but to our people as well. And you do know that I understand that God gave this land into the hands of the house of Judah, the Jews for a time. You know that I know that. And I have told you that before. And he calls them his vine. This modern political UN created state of Israel, he calls it his vine. And he says, I will water it Every moment, lest any hurt it. That's why he's protected it. He says, I will keep it night and day. Yahweh is the keeper of the vine. Isaiah 27, 4. Fury is not in me. Who would set the briars and thorns against me in battle? I would step through it. I would burn it at once. This, my friends is Yahweh's pledge to never allow his land to be taken by any enemy of the modern political UN-created state of Israel, which will become the land ruled over by Yeshua at the end of the Great Tribulation. To those who say that Yahweh never wanted this current modern political UN created state of Israel to exist, Yahweh says otherwise. For he prophesies over it right here in Isaiah 27. Isaiah 27, 5. Or let them take hold of my strength that he, Judah, may make peace with me. Do you not understand that the reason God created this political state of Israel using the UN to do it was that he was making it possible for Judah to make peace with him. And he shall make peace with me. You know when that's going to happen is in Zechariah chapter 12 when they have that come to Jesus meeting. When Iran comes down into Israel to fight Israel and Gog, the U.S., when that's over, when so many of them have been destroyed, including U.S. and 
everybody that comes in with the U.S., when that happens, they will make peace with him. They will have their come to Yeshua meeting. Isaiah 27, 6. He, Judah, shall cause those who come from Jacob, all 12 tribes. You see, God has a plan. Judah will cause those who come from Jacob to do what? To take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. This is not talking about the political state of Israel. This is talking about the kingdom. This is the kingdom of Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world. Right now, it appears that Judah is not causing the whole house of Jacob to return. In fact, they are prejudiced right now today in favor of only Judah. But this will change. However, we will see that it will take some turmoil to bring this about. Isaiah 27.7 says, Has he, Yahweh, stricken him, Judah, as he, Yahweh, struck those enemies who struck him, Judah? Is he slain according to the slaughter of the slain by him? In other words, is Judah slain according to the slaughter of his enemies? Has Yahweh punished his people as severely as he has those enemies whom he employed to chastise Israel? Is Israel slain according to the slaughter of the enemy slain? No. Yahweh has never punished his people greater than he has punished the people that he's used to punish them. Because why? The world always goes too far. Yahweh always punishes those Gentile nations worse than he has punished his own people. And he will continue that pattern. And after all is said and done, Yahweh will restore Israel's 12 tribal nation and utterly destroy Israel's enemies. By driving her away, that's Yahweh who sent his wife into exile, you will contend with her, his wife. By sending her away, you punished her. This has already happened twice before with the Babylonian and Roman dispersions, as you know. He takes away by his rough wind in the day of the east wind. You know, we're still in the dispersion. So, in verse 9, it says, by this, by what? By this exile, this 2,000 year exile. Let me type this in because this is a 2,000 year exile that Yahweh has used to punish us. And therefore shall the iniquity of Jacob be The exiles of both houses has the effect of purging their iniquities. And this is all the fruit to take away his sin. Whose sin? Jacob's sin. 
when he makes all the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten in pieces. Who is this he? That's Judah. This one is Jacob. This one is Judah. In the case of Jacob and, and Judah, you know, it, Judah wished to be the king. Well, the Lord made him the king. And as the king, he goes before all the rest of Jacob. You see, in, in war and also in punishment. That's why Yahweh created this, uh, or allowed the creation of this political UN created land of Israel and put Judah in there first. Because Judah has to go in and make all of his mistakes and make it possible for the rest of us to come back. And so they're going to make the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten in pieces. How is that going to happen? Well, they're going to bring out their Jewish Messiah. And then another Jewish Messiah is going to want to come and defeat the Jewish Messiah. I'm sorry. Did I say? Okay, let me start over. The Jewish Messiah will set up the altar. There will be another Messiah who will come and want to defeat the Jewish Messiah. And that Mahdi who comes to defeat the Jewish Messiah will tear down the Asherahs and sun pillars. Why? Because Muslims don't do idolatry. Those Asherahs and sun pillars, those are the Masonic atrocities that cover Yahweh's land. Freemasonry, Kabod, Christianity, Judaism, they're full of idolatry. You know, they dare to call Yeshua an idol, but they go after all those ancient Babylonian Masonic atrocities. And those things shall not stand up. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after these messages. Thank you for listening to the Jerusalem Report on Beast Watch News. Full news coverage with a Hebraic perspective of the headlines fulfilling Bible prophecy. Remember to financially and prayerfully support Beast Watch News for keeping you up to date. Send your donation to Beast Watch News today. It takes money to operate this ministry and your help is much appreciated. Welcome back. Verse 10. Yet the fortified city, Jerusalem, shall be wasted. So despite the fact that Yahweh is protecting Israel and is singing over his land and is protecting it as a vineyard, the fortified city, Jerusalem, shall be wasted and the dwelling forsaken like a wilderness. There shall the calf feed. Why? Because everything's tore down and and the, the cattle will just have all kinds of places to roam when there's nothing standing there and there he shall lie down and eat up its branches when its branches are dried up they shall be broken off the women come and set them on fire for it is a people of no understanding at the end of days we go through the fire therefore His maker will not have mercy on them, and he who formed them will not favor them. In other words, 
there's a certain amount of punishment that's coming and he is not going to stop it. And it will be in that day. That's when this happens. In that day. The great tribulation. The beginning of the Lord's millennial day. That this specific prophecy is going to happen in the end of days. Even though it has had a near and partial fulfillment in the Babylonian and Assyrian captivities, Yahweh shall thresh from the stream of the river Euphrates to the torrent of Egypt, specifically the end of man's reign on earth at the time of the beginning of Yahweh's eternal reign when he widens the borders of Israel to accommodate all the people who will come. The borders have to be enlarged because modern Israel cannot hold us all. And you, that's Jacob, you shall be gathered how? One by one. The Lord is going to ingather us one by one. He said in the in Exodus he gathered them out as a nation all at once. Two to three million of them. This time it's going to be one by one. O sons of Israel. That's the whole house of Israel. That's all the tribes of Israel. Verse 13. And it shall be in that day. The great ram's horn shall be blown. That's the, the heavenly shofar. And those perishing in the, the land of Assyria... Who is perishing in the land of Assyria? Well, it's all the people in the West. But you say, well, they're not in the land of Assyria. Yes, they are. We have not ever had our captivity declared over. So everywhere that we have taken, we've actually enlarged the land of Assyria. As we've gone up into Europe and across the pond to America, down into the Pacific, into New Zealand and um, Australia. We have really enlarged the land of Assyria. That's why at the end of days the Antichrist is referred to in scripture as both Pharaoh and the Assyrian. Because he takes us out of Assyrian and out of Egyptian captivity. That's why Yeshua has to come to set the captives free. Because the Jews are still captives, first under the Romans, and now they're captured under the UN. And so their captivity, the end of their captivity shall come, and the outcasts of the land of Egypt shall come and shall worship Yahweh in the holy mountain at Jerusalem. I keep telling you, Our first duty is to worship Yahweh at his holy mountain. Note that nothing is said here about a temple. You don't need a temple. You need a temple to do the sacrifices. He took that privilege away from us. But his holy mountain is still there and Jerusalem is still there. And guess what? The Jerusalem city is part of the temple. You know how I know that? Because at Passover, and when you take your peace offerings and your thanksgiving offerings, and those offerings that you 
partake of as well as the priests. Those have to be eaten inside the confines of the temple. They were allowed to eat those within the city walls. Jerusalem itself is part of the temple. It's being trampled by the Gentiles now. You know, you go through there and you walk through the Jaffa Gate. You know those people haven't mikvahed. You know that some of them are carrying sin right into Yahweh's holy temple. But that is exactly what he said had to happen. So our first duty is to go to his mountain. That, my friends, is why we stand at the wall and pray. We're standing on his mountain, a little lower than the top of it, but we're still on it. We're inside the temple walls, the walls of the city of Jerusalem, and we're worshiping him. They did that before. They're going to do it again. Yahweh doesn't change his mind for now. Because if he did change his mind about rescinding the need to go to his holy mountain, to go to the place of his name, then your salvation is in danger. Because if he can change his mind about his commandments, he can change his mind about your salvation. Think about that. Gog will be both an instrument of measured punishment to the house of Judah, as it says in verse 7, and will also receive Yahweh's final punishment due the house of Israel. So the reason I brought this scripture to you was to show you the connection to what's going on with the nuclear threats between Russia and the U.S., and to show you the connection between the economic war and the fighting war, Ukraine and Syria, and how that's all going to play out. Gog, as we're going to see, has put the THAAD missile system in Israel this week, and it's just an uptick toward this war where Gog and Israel are in Israel together and Iran comes down into Israel to fight both the U.S. forces and the IDF in Israel at the same time that Russia is attacking the United States. Gog is both an instrument of punishment for the Jews but Gog also takes the brunt of the punishment for the house of Israel. That's what uh, is hap- going to happen in the beginning of the Great Tribulation so that the sins of Jacob can be purged. Yahweh is in charge of world events, people. The Jews, even though Yahweh won't completely destroy them, still have punishment coming for their disobedience, including their failure to restore all 12 tribes according to that Jubilee year that they proclaimed last year. You can click on those links to go and read those articles where I explain that. And the fact that they intend to recognize a Yeshua-denying Messiah in attempt to establish Judah's earthly rule without Yeshua. 
Thus, Gog is increasing military capability of assisting or guarding Israel, just as Yahweh told him to do. Look at this tweet below. It says here that the FAD deployment in Israel is part of U.S. efforts to implement its operational concept and I'm going to say God-given mission to assist in Israel's aerial defense. And I'm going to take you to Ezekiel 38.7 in Esword. So let's go get that. And we'll go to Ezekiel 38.7 where it says, Be prepared and be a guard to them. It's not talking about guarding Iran. It's not talking about guarding uh, the the people that come in with Gog. It's talking about guarding the people that come in against Israel. Here is the RT article about the FAD missile system um, being... Uh, Deployed again. It says that it will be stationed in Israel's south alongside some 200 U.S. military personnel. Um, according to the Jerusalem Post, though, uh, troops belonging to the U.S. European Command, that's UCOM, have deployed the THAAD anti-ballistic missile defense system in Israel as part of a joint drill between the two allies. The purpose of the tactical deployment of the THAAD system in Israel is to practice rapid deployment across the globe of complex systems. Oh, it almost sounds like that, you know, the United States is going to participate in deploying Judaism across the globe. Now, it doesn't say that there, and this just now came into my mind, so I'm going to put it out there for you to think about. And also to enhance cooperation with the IAF's air defense systems, according to that statement, and that the IDF is working in cooperation with U.S. forces in order to enhance coordination between the two militaries and to strengthen the ability to defend Israeli airspace. During the deployment, our service members will work in various locations throughout Israel and will practice operational procedures for augmenting Israel's existing air and missile defense architecture. Um, Israel's security, as I've been saying, is Gog's excuse for coming in after that oil and gas that they hope that they can send up to Europe. Because they're losing their ground. They've, well, we, we're not taking any of the oil out of Iraq anymore. We don't control the Syrian distribution hub anymore. But it also is for the Rubens, the Rubenites' descendants from the family of Gog. You know, Gog is a Rubenite descendant to take back the firstborn position of Jacob's families. I have said all along, I believe, that that uh, Reuben has the agenda, even though they may not even realize that 
it may be so subconscious to them that they don't really understand what they're doing. But Yahweh said what happened in the beginning is going to come back to bite us in the end. Reuben lost his firstborn position, and I have contended for years that Gog, his descendant, will try in the end of days to regain that firstborn position to rule the family, which is why Trump put the embassy in Jerusalem. Trump upholds Jerusalem. Everything is Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem is the capital city of Israel, and if you're going to rule the family, you rule from Jerusalem. This further says, this article, during the deployment, our service members will work in various locations throughout Israel. I've said that the Gog forces are going to end up working all over Israel, not just on that U.S. military base. They're going to practice operational procedures for augmenting Israel's existing air and missile defense architecture. And they have added that the exercise serves as a demonstration of the United States' continued commitment to Israel's regional security. Now, there's a a video, apparently, that shows the THAAD launcher, uh, the THAAD being unloaded from the military transport planes that I said, we've heard these planes and helicopters flying over us here in Aqaba. They, They take off and then they don't have enough area to turn. I think they have to turn and come over the Red Sea and come up that way. Of course, you know, we're in treaty with... Jordan so they can they can do that the American THAAD system is considered among the most advanced systems in the world and together with Israel's defense systems uh, Israel is stronger in dealing with threats close or distant emanating from all areas of the Middle East now I'm going to take you to this AP article here and by the way you know you can I'm hoping that I can do this, but maybe not. I was going to put the images in the blog post, but I might not be able to get that done. It might be a little bit too much time involved. But you can click on the links in the articles. According to AP, Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Conricus described the deployment as a defensive drill unrelated. Oh, really? Unrelated. Huh? to events or developments in the region. The fact is that the U.S. and Russia are in proxy wars with each other and sometimes even in direct conflict on two fronts in Syria and Ukraine, as I have said. And here's what it says in thedrive.com. So while the U.S. military and the IDF insist that the THAAD deployment is unrelated to any specific event, it's hard not to see it as a pointed signal to Iran. Now, Daniel 11 calls it provoking. Okay, this pointing and, and making a signal to Iran. 
In January 2019, Iranian authorities tried and failed to launch a satellite into orbit in a test that the U.S. and Israel criticized as a cover for ballistic missile defense efforts. The next month, the New York Times reported citing anonymous sources that the U.S. government had rebooted a clandestine effort to sabotage the Iranian missile programs. Now, you know that what that's telling you is that Iran is going to see this fad deployment uh, as, you know, uh, an in-your-face and, you know, we can do it and you can't kind of thing on the part of U.S. and Israel. Since pulling out of the multinational deal over Iran's controversial nuclear program in 2018, President Trump and his administration have taken an increasingly hard line against Iran in general, putting a raft of economic sanctions back into place. One of Trump administration's main complaints about the Iran deal was also that it did nothing to tackle concerns about non-nuclear issues, including Iranian ballistic missiles. My friends, it is disingenuous for the U.S. and Israel to say that uh, their deployment is a defensive drill unrelated to current developments in the region. And by the way, Let me tell you what happens in defensive drills. Obama sent 3,600 troops into Israel for the first time to make some of them permanent in Israel for the first time. In 2012, that stuff comes in and it doesn't leave. That's my point. Another reason that the U.S. has rolled out its THAAD missile system has to do with the plain and simple response to um, Russia's nuclear threats. You know, last week, Russia threatened the United States with nuclear war. This week, (laughs) we'll show you. (laughs) You showed us yours. Not, and you know, we're going to, now we're going to show you ours kind of statement. That's what this partly is about. You know, that, uh, well, you threatened us. We're going to threaten you right back. Now, Defense News has posted a video on the, the, uh, deployment of the THAAD missile system in Israel. You can watch it right here on this link when you click to go over to the blog. Fact of the matter is, Russia is no longer constrained by anything from attacking the United States. Iran now has even more reason to attack Israel because the U.S. is putting itself and Israel in a bully posture in the land of Judah as Yahweh calls it. And now, Russia's new missiles are aimed at the U.S. Now, this byline says that Moscow's hypersonic weapons may be more bark than bite. I don't know how that three got in there. Look, I don't understand why this person chose to put this situation in a lesser light given that the article, when you read it, is clear about the possible outcome. Uh, She's downplaying it. I don't know why, but let's read the article. 
International audiences perked up their ears last month when a Sunday evening news show singled out a handful of locations in the U.S. that could be targets for annihilation by Russia's new hypersonic weapons. For now, we're not threatening anyone, said uh, Dmitry Kiselyov. Um, but if such a deployment takes place, that he's talking about the U.S. deploying more missiles in Europe, he says our response will be instant. Now, that segment came days after Russian President Putin gave his annual address on February 20th in which he warned that Russia would be forced to deploy its hypersonic weapons that can travel over five times the speed of sound. Given their speed and agility, the U.S. is currently unable to defend against them. So that does that seem more like bark than bite to you? Doesn't to me. Well, something like that would cause, uh, they're saying here in this article, a nuclear winter. But also, um, they say that hypersonic weapons is a reality that is more complex than it looks on the surface. They fly at Mach 5 or higher, but they're not worrisome so much for their speed as for their moves. Hypersonic weapons currently in development are not necessarily faster than ballistic missiles that already exist. It's just that it's how they fly, which is the concern. They have a an ability to maneuver as they go toward their target. And it says here there are two basic types, a hypersonic cruise missile, and then there's the hypersonic glide vehicle. So there are some that say the focus on uh, the new delivery system is misplaced. One guy here says um, James Acton, the co-director of nuclear policy program at at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, says he really doesn't so much care um, about getting nuked uh, by a hypersonic nuclear missile. He cares more that he is being nuked. <laughs> That's what counts to him. How it's done is <laughs> is of little consequence once you've been nuked. U.S. Um, has nuclear and conventional arms. Um, and, uh, of course, Putin has nuclear and conventional arms, but if Russia launched an armed hypersonic glider and the U.S. decision makers were in the dark over the glider's fight path and capabilities, it would be risking a retaliatory nuclear strike, according to uh, Michael Kaufman. In other words, the U.S. would strike back at Russia from inside Europe. And he says that he thinks nobody in their right mind really wants to take that risk. In part, the missiles serve to shore up things at home as much as cow rivals abroad. In other words, it's just going to be more head-to-head stuff. Um, Well, look, I differ in his opinion when he says that they, that's Russia, 
uh, don't really have a lot of other good news stories to talk about in the last two years. Uh, I differ with this because Russia's greatest achievement in the last two years is that Russian troops now control the Israel and Jordan borders because of President Donald Trump's ineptness. Now, prognosticators use the Russian presence on Israel's border as proof that Russia is Gog. But the only thing that Russia's presence on on Israel's border is proof of is that Russia will make it possible for Iran, the king of the north, to attack Israel. Russia is part of that king of the north coalition, coalition, and Russia won't stop Iran's attack. Russia will assist Iran while simultaneously pulling the plug on the United States of Israel, the United States and Israel, (laughs) and her allies. Well, some people may not be worried about it, but Russia's ambassador to the U.S., Anatoly Antonov, said that arms control is in crisis and he is scared. That Washington has begun thinking about the possibility of winning a nuclear war. Well, you can read this whole article for yourself, but I want to tell you something. I want to tell you why the United States is not mentioned in Bible prophecy. She can only be ascertained through various descriptions, not by name. And those descriptions are found in Jeremiah 50 and 51 and Ezekiel 38 and 39. In Those descriptions only describe not only who she is, but how she is destroyed at the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Now, earlier we talked about Isaiah 27, and I told you I was going to bring you to the continuation of Isaiah 27 about the land of Judah and what Yahweh is planning for the land of Judah. Here's, I'm going to tell you in 28 verses 1 to 4, what Yahweh has planned for Ephraim. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which is on the head of the fat valleys of those who are overcome with wine. You know, that wine is part of the, the, everybody drinks from the cup of wine of the whore, remember? Okay, so that whore now through the wine we now learn is Ephraim. Where is Ephraim? Oh, Israel. And the head, I'm sorry, not Israel, Europe. And the head of Ephraim is now the United States of America. Behold, the Lord is mighty and strong like a hailstorm, hailstorm, a destroying storm, like a flood of mighty waters overflowing. Remember the sound of the uh, of the, the angels and the other sounds in the book of Revelation is of mighty waters. These mighty waters overflow, and he, Yahweh, cast down to the earth with the hand. The crown of pride, America, the drunkards of Ephraim, America, shall be trampled underfoot. 
and the glorious beautiful the glorious beauty oh beautiful america on the head of the fat valleys you remember that song uh oh beautiful for fresh america the beautiful the song remember that oh beautiful for spacious skies amber waves of grain purple mountain majesties above the fruited plain that is what yahweh is talking about the glorious beauty on the head of the fat valleys the plains full of wheat shall be a what a fading flower and as the first ripe fruit remember the first fruits guess when this is a little hint when uh, america gets hit oh at the first ripe fruit the first wheat crop that comes out just after the spring and in the beginning of the summer when the beholder of it is swallowed up while it is yet in his hand take heed people the reason the us is not mentioned as a nation in the end of days descriptions of the great tribulation is quite simply she's not going to be there Now we're going to take some time and we're going to talk about Israeli elections. A friend sent me this article about the direction of the what the House of Judah is taking, and I had already put together several articles on this, but um I wanted to uh just use this article because he said it in one in in one article what it was going to take me several and because i'm already over an hour here um i want to just use this so um what i want you to know is that it ex- this article explains what is happening um regarding the jewish supremacy doctrine being pursued by the cabal the kabad cabal You know that presidents Trump and Putin are connected both of them are connected to the Kabad cabal and their supremacy doctrine the Jewish supremacy doctrine and you know that the Kabad cabal wants to present the Jewish messiah to the world for the purpose of establishing the modern political UN created state of Israel as the ruler of the world and i showed you earlier in this report that it just occurred to me that gog wants to help uh judaism become the rule of the earth and you know that they the jews want to categorize and enforce all people of the earth as either Jews or lesser Jews you know those who will practice Judaism proper denying Yeshua and those under the Jewish Noahide laws will also be forced to deny Yeshua because the Noahide laws number 1 precept is you cannot commit a uh, idolatry and Judaism says Yeshua is an idol. I also want to present this speculation to you about the reason for the uptick of war between Russia and the US 
because I believe it has something to do with the Kabad Cabal. What if the war that is coming is actually a competition between the two fractured halves of the old New World Order? There are now two new New World Orders, the West and the East. And each is associated with a world power. The West is where the house of Israel is hidden among the Gentiles. The East is where the Persians are hidden among the Gentiles. Each side has a stake in the game, a spoil, the oil and gas. And each side wants to rule from, rule from or own, I should put in here, Jerusalem, for the many reasons that I have elucidated over the previous years and months, I believe that Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin are now in their own supremacy battle. And it is one that was precipitated by the Kabad Cabal and is being spurred by the Kabad Cabal. And with that said, Here is the article from Times of Israel. It's called The Desecration of Israel. Basically, this article says, and you'll have to go read it for yourself, but this article says that because Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has added the Kahane movement under the name Otzma Yehudit, which is Jewish Power, it's a political party brought in by the religious zealot Jewish Home Party, which is run by Naftali Bennett, um, that they, they have actually moved even further right. Kahanism is named for the late American rabbi, uh, Ma'ir Kahane. I said Kahane, it's actually Kahane. Um, It is the spirit behind numerous acts of what they're saying, desecrating the name of Hashem, Hilul Hashem. They desecrate mosques and churches um, and massacred 29 Palestinians in Hebron's Tomb of the Patriarchs. Yigal Amir, the murderer of Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin, was inspired by Goldstein and by the writings of Mayor Kahane. Kahanism allegedly struck in 2015 when somebody bombed a home in the Palestinian village of Duma, killing three family members, including a baby. And then when celebrants at the wedding of a far-right couple danced with a photograph of the baby and repeatedly stabbed the picture, confusing Judaism for a demonic cult. Well, that's what Kahane does. It confuses Judaism for a demonic cult. So he wants you to know that Kahanism isn't merely a political movement. It is the most extreme expression of the right-wing Israeli spectrum. In its essence, Kahanism isn't just an ideology It is a theology that sanctifies hatred and vengeance in an apocalyptic messianic vision, emphasis mine. It is a theology 
of desecrating the name of Hashem. Now, I've told you how that um, the Kabod, it doesn't have the purpose of choosing to serve humanity. Kabod chooses to serve Jews. But Kahanism also has the purpose of Jewish chosenness, like Kabod. And it isn't to serve humanity. It isn't that through you will be blessed all the families of the earth, but to rule over it. Look, this guy that's writing this is a Jew writing this. I'm telling you what he's saying. He is saying to you better than I probably could have, because I'm not a Jew and some people won't listen to it if it's not written by a Jew. What he was, what he's saying here is what I was going to put together. Okay? The, their messianic era isn't Isaiah's vision of a world united in prayer, but Cain's vision of vengeance against the nations. That vengeance is going to take the form of making you become a Noahide or die. Who could have ever seen, when in 1967, sitting in church, listening to the preacher talk about the end of days and how we're going to be made to deny Yeshua or die? I could not imagine how that would happen. Now we know how. It's not our Gentile enemies doing this. It's our brethren in Israel doing this. Anyway, go and read the rest of this um, article. He says here that he had his doubts about Cahane for a long time. Just go read this article. It is worth reading. Um, Netanyahu has thrown himself as a leader into this philosophy of hatred of hatred for anybody who is not a far-right Jew. In effect, I'm going to wrap up here. The Israeli government has now taken a more radical turn than even having the Kabad Kabal over them when it braced Kahane. The Kabadists must be thrilled. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.